Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Michael Forstner and welcome to the Kaleidoscope Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to anyone that's suffering with ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease or any type of GI issue. Our goal is to dive deeper into understanding things that can help us improve our GI system. So join us each week where we dive deeper into anything that can be beneficial for us. Welcome back to the Kaleidoscope Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different again. I'm actually going to be a little bit more educational and going over the gut itself, like the structure and the way that the colon works, because I think this is a very important thing to understand. Typically, when we talk about ulcerative colitis or any other autoimmune disease in the gut, we don't really think about the structure and how it actually is supposed to operate. So I thought today would be a good episode going over the basics with the large intestines. Now, the large intestine, also known as the large bowel, is the last part of the GI tract and the digestive system in vertebra. So how is it structured, you're probably wondering. And you may know this, but again, I want to go over this because, again, I think it's very important that you do understand the structure. So the colon is the last part of the digestive system. It extracts water and salt from solid waste before they are eliminated from the body and is a site in which flora-aided fermentation of unabsorbed material occurs. Unlike the small intestines, the colon does not play a major role in absorption of foods and nutrients. About 1.5 liters or 45 ounces of water arrive in the colon each day. Now, that's not taking into equation the people that aren't drinking enough water because, again, water is a big thing when it comes to any type of healthiness because you need water for your body to run and function properly. Now, the length of the average adult human colon is about 65 inches or 166 centimeters for males and about 61 inches or 155 centimeters for females. Now, the colon is actually divided into different sections which I'm going to go over in depth, but those first areas are the ascending colon, which includes the cecum and the appendix, the transverse colon, including the colic flexures and the transverse mesocolon, the descending colon, the sigmoid colon, which is the S-shaped region of the large intestines, and the rectum. So we're going to dive deeper into each one so we can kind of understand each section of the colon. Now, in terms of diameter, the cecum is the widest, averaging slightly less than 9 centimeters in healthy individuals, and the transverse colon averages less than 6 centimeters in diameter. The descending and sigmoid colon are slightly smaller, with the sigmoid colon averaging 4 to 5 centimeters in diameter. Diameter is larger than the certain threshold for each colon section can be diagnosed for megacolon. So again, that's where the colon starts getting inflating, getting bigger than what it actually should be which can lead to a lot of other GI issues because, again, we want the colon to be a certain size so we can get the most absorption going on. So diving deeper into the cecum and the appendix. The cecum is the first section of the colon involved in digestion, while the appendix, which develops embryologically from, is a structure of the colon, not involved in digestion and considered to be part of the gut-associated lymphatic issue. Now, the function of the appendix is uncertain still, but some sources believe that the appendix has a role in housing a sample of the colon's microflora and is able to help repopulate the colon with bacteria if the microflora has been damaged during the course of autoimmune reactions or any type of immune reaction. 
So currently, I am still waiting on my appendix to repopulate my colon because it's been going on for quite some time. I think I'm going on five years, almost six years. So appendix, if you're listening right now, you can start working the way that you're supposed to be. So the next part is the ascending colon. Now the ascending colon is the first of the four major sections of the large intestines. It is connected to the small intestines by that section of the bowel called the cecum, which we just talked about. The ascending colon runs upwards through the abdominal cavity towards the transverse colon for approximately about 8 inches 20 centimeters. One of the main functions of the colon is to remove the water, like I had mentioned before, and other key nutrients from waste material and recycle it. As the waste material exits the small intestines through the ileocecal valve, it will move into the cecum and then be into the ascending colon where a process for the extraction to start. So removing again that water and those other minerals. Now, the unwanted waste materials is moved upwards towards the transverse colon by the action of peristalsis. It's like a wave-like motion to start moving everything through the colon itself, which is peristalsis. One fact about the ascending colon, which I thought was kind of important to know, is that in all ages and in sexes is where the colon cancer occurs most. About 41% is in the ascending colon. Now, as we move along the path, our next stop is the transverse colon. The transverse colon is part of the colon from the hepatic flexure, also known as the right colic, which is by the liver, to splenic flexure, also as the left colic, which again is by the spleen. Now the transverse colon hangs off the stomach, attached to the, by the large folds of peritoneum. On the posterior side, the transverse colon is connected to the posterior abdominal wall, a mesentery known as transverse mesocolon. The transverse colon is encased in peritoneum and is therefore mobile. So unlike all the other parts, this area can actually be moved a little bit, which again gives it that mobility, which is what it needs. The proximal two-thirds of the transverse colon is supplied by the me- uh, middle colic artery, a branch of the superior mesenteric artery, while the later third is supplied by branches of the inferior mesenteric artery. Now, the last part of this colon area is kind of going down in the descending colon, and there's also the cecum and the rectum. But the descending colon is a part of the colon from the splenic fixture to the beginning of the sigmoid colon. So again, this is all tying together, and it's really one large area, but again, they have it broken in sections. So one function of the descending colon in the digestive system is to store feces that will be emptied into the rectum. Now, again, as our food is working its way through, we're absorbing more and more water. So again, as we absorb more and more water, it gets more compact. And as we move it along the line, it's going to get um, put into the last part, which again is going to be rectum before we excrete that. But again, I want to talk about the cecum and, or not cecum, the sigmoid and the rectum in general. So the sigmoid colon is part of the large intestines of the sending colon and before the rectum. The name sigmoid means S-shape. So the walls of the sigmoid colon are muscular and contract to increase the pressure inside the colon, causing the stool to move into the rectum. So again, moving it from the descending colon into the rectum, so again, it can be secreted. So obviously, our last stop is the rectum, and that is the last part of the large intestines, which again is where the feces will be eliminated via defecation. And this area is not very long. It's about 13 centimeters long. So again, typically 
when we have it moving in that area, that's typically where we're going to be going to the bathroom to excrete that. Now, with someone with ulcerative colitis, this area, again, is probably being ignited and being pressured to go to the bathroom. At least that's what I find in my experience as of right now, that that, that urgency is always happening. So the muscles probably in these areas, especially in that sigmoid, are not contracting and working properly. So again, this is probably an area why there is that urgency in a lot of people with ulcerative colitis. Now, there are a few other thoughts on the colon that I found to be interesting, which are the following. Now, the colon absorbs vitamins that are created by the colon bacteria, such as vitamin K, which is really important in, in digestion since we don't get a lot of vitamin K, along with thiamine and riboflavin. It also compacts feces, which I talked about earlier, and stores the fecal material in the rectum until it can be discharged. Though before this all happens, again, the ascending colon receives the fecal material as a liquid. The muscles of the colon then move the watery waste material forward and slowly absorb all the excess water, again, through that peristalsis movement. So it can eventually solidify that liquid material into a compact fecal material. So if someone is dealing with diarrhea, this typically can mean that the body itself is not having enough time to absorb that liquid. So just imagine going through this system. So it's going to go up, across, and down. So if it's moving too quickly, all that water is not being absorbed. So it's then getting flushed through the system, causing your body to go to the bathroom a lot more and having that urgency. And then obviously the opposite, if it's taking too long to go through that system, too much water is going to be absorbed. And that's where you get that constipation. So again, the fecal material then is getting started earlier. So again, it's not down that later part. It can be sometimes in the middle. So again, you have that backup issue, which then takes longer for it to get all the way down into the sigmoid and into the rectum to be excreted. So again, these are all factors of why people may be having issues, whether it is, again, going to the bathroom too much, uh, watery diarrhea, or even being constipated. And finally, the bacteria breakdown of some of the fibers for our own nourishment are created um, in this area. So acetate, paraponate, and butyrate as a byproduct, which in turn are used by the cell lining of the colon for nourishment. And they also help replenish this area and create that kind of barrier that we want. So again, having all this bacteria in that area, again, is going to help form the colon to be working more efficiently, but also protect it from having that leaky gut type issue. So I hope this gives you a better understanding of the colon. Again, this episode was a little bit more on understanding the colon and the structure of it because, again, I think this is one of those important things to know about, just how the structure is of the colon because, again, typically most people don't really think about this. All they think about is, I have a disease. I haven't dove deeper into understanding how the colon actually works, how it's functioning, the structure of it. So, again, I thought today's episode would be a good, important, informative episode so you can understand a little bit more and even dive deeper into understanding for yourself. Because again, this is just a slight overview from my understanding. There's so much more information in this. I definitely condensed it quite a bit so you can do your own research. But again, it's something that you should understand, especially if you're dealing with a gut issue such as ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease. That's our episode today. So again, if you did enjoy this, always hit that like button, share it with friends and family that you may know they're dealing with any IBD issues. 
Um, again, we do have our website running now. It is it's still in its infancy stages, but again, that's thekaleidoscope.com. You can go there where we have other materials such as our blogs. Um, there will be videos at some point, more information on the gut itself. So again, go there, check it out. Go to our Instagram, Kaleidoscope. Um, you can also go to our Facebook page, The Kaleidoscope. So there's all these areas where we're adding more and more information. And if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, go to those places and just write those questions and we'll do our best to get to those. As always, stay healthy and we'll see you next time. Way to go. You listened to another episode on The Kaleidoscope. Now, each episode, I hope you're learning more and more about ulcerative colitis and other GI issues. Again, this spot right here on this podcast is dedicated to you. So if there's anything that you want us to talk about, send us an email, um, hit us up on any podcast station, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible and talk about that topic for you. As always, stay healthy. The information provided is more for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other health care provider. This information is not to be used or relied on for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. You should not use this information for diagnosis or treatment of any health problem or as a substitute for medication or other treatments prescribed by your physician. Please consult your health care practitioner before embarking on a diet, fast, exercise, or supplement program. Thank you.